Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Okay, so tonight our um, class will be will be will be talking about the dynamics of serving people, and I wanted to um, just end uh, with this as we uh, you know sort of culminate. The classes, um, school of school of ministry, wanted to culminate with this. Uh, you know, we're talking about the call, talking about the protocol, talking about you know being prepared um, and things of that nature. But I wanted to end tonight with um, the dynamics of serving people because that's what ministry is all about. It's about ministering, ministering um, to the people. We have to serve um, the Lord. We have to uh, work in the kingdom, and we have to work alongside people. We have to minister to people minister on behalf uh, of the kingdom of God to the people. And let me tell you something, um, some areas that we're going to hit on tonight, um, you know, will help us to examine our preparedness, uh, whether we're actively in ministry or whether we're called to ministry or whether we're um, a part of a church, praise God. These are still some things that we want to understand so that as we pray for those in leadership, um, we can pray with a better understanding, right, the effectual fervent prayers, not just pray for leadership or pray for those in ministry, but to be effective in our prayers. So tonight we're talking about um, the dynamics of serving people. I hope you all can hear me pretty good. Let me adjust my volume. Okay. All right. I'm going to open up with Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 through 29. Um, this, of course, is one of the epistles that Paul wrote to um, the people, the church in Colossians, uh, the Colossians, amen. And he writes in Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 through 29, he said, Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. I'm going to read that again because for the first, um, you know, as we open up, we're going to totally dissect these two verses. You know, we're going to totally dissect these two verses. And as I stated in several classes before, you know, Paul, being an apostle to the Gentiles, he established the Gentile church. Amen. And so, you know, coming along with, with the Jews, they were used to order and, and, and protocol and, you know, they knew the word. They were students of the word. But, you know, in terms of dealing with the Gentiles, which, you know, we are, thank God for Jesus, uh, we were grafted in. We, are, we were adopted. Amen, because the Jews were God's chosen people. These were the elect people of God. And so, you know, being that God extended his grace, he first came to the Jews. The Jews, most of them rejected him at that time. And so God turned his attention, he turned his grace, and he turned his mercy, um, and he opened up the door of salvation. Jesus was the door, amen, that opened up our salvation to the Gentiles. And so we're ever so grateful that Jesus became, he, he, he adopted us, amen. He, he adopted us into the family of the beloved. So we who were not a people because of Jesus became a people, a people that had no hope, now have hope, amen. And so when you look at Apostle Paul, 
his ministry, what makes his ministry so fascinating, especially for those of you who are apostles or you are members of apostolic ministries or just fascinated with apostolic work. You know, his ministry is so phenomenal and so amazing because it just defies order and it goes against, you know, the established tradition. You know, Paul let the women in. Paul said everybody could preach. Paul gave up. Not gave up, but you know, he, he just, he made these things available to us. Peter stumbled in the beginning. You know, he went down to Cornelius' house, but Peter stumbled. He stumbled. Uh, and, and for that reason, he and Paul had words, amen. And, and so, but God's grace was upon Paul to the Gentile church, to form, to call out the Gentile church. And so many of his letters um, to these different churches uh, during the time of his ministry, they laid doctrine. They formed the doctrine for, the, for those who were Gentiles who are now believers. So it's very important that, you know, we understand this is how we learn how to do ministry. This is how we learn how to give. We learn that through Paul's ministry. Amen. Because remember, up in, Moses taught uh, the Hebrews. So coming up through the Old Testament, straight on through the four Gospels, right into the book of Acts, amen, the Hebrews had it. They knew how to worship God. They knew the word of God. They knew the laws of God. But the Gentiles were not so. Remember when Paul wrote the letter to, uh, who did he write? Was to, uh, gosh, what was he wrote? Anyway, he said, you worship that you know not. Amen. They were worshiping to the unknown God. And so, you know, God used Paul to, uh, to, to teach us. And, and to, to lay doctrine, to lay the apostles' doctrine, which is the preaching of the life of Jesus Christ, amen, to the glory of God and to the salvation of the souls of men. So, again, this is why we're so fascinated. Whenever we talk about ministry or offices in the church or gifts in the church or uh, spiritual fruit or things of that nature, we're going to always we're gonna look at Paul's, um, Paul's doctrine. Amen. And then, you know, you're always going to found foundation for in the Old Testament because God's word works together. But anyway, in Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 through 29, he says, him we preach, and he's talking about Jesus. He said, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end, I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. All right. So Paul defines here in Colossians chapter one, verses 28 through 29, which is going to be your homework assignment, is Paul defines his mission statement. Now, those of you, if you are, many of you have um, your own uh, nonprofit, uh, whether it's a single uh, um, single parenting ministries or Beauty for Ashes ministries or Beyond the Ashes, you know, some type of para-ministry that's not necessarily pulpit related, but a ministry where you provide a service to the people. And these may not necessarily be church people, but people in the community. So it's called a para-ministry. In other words, it runs alongside or it's connected to the ministry, but it's not necessarily uh, an active part within the church ministry. So if you've heard in my teachings mentioned para-ministries, that's what that means. And that, that's your, 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 your ministries that you, that you have pastored, or, amen, that you have founded and that you have established to provide a service to the community, to people who are not necessarily members in the church. It's not restricted to the church. Right, but it's still a work of ministry. Um, so, in your those of you who have nonprofits, or if you're a part of a nonprofit, uh, you have what's called a mission statement, and that mission statement outlines the goals, the expectations. It, it outlines the heartbeat of that particular organization. It defines what you know, who they are, uh, what they're going to do, and, and what the targeted goal is, the expected goal. Right. Um, every organization, Salvation Army has it, um, the United, uh, uh, the, um, the Negro uh, College Foundation, every non organization has it, 
right? Because so when you're when you're you know petitioning donations or what have you, you know people are going to ask, well, what is this money going toward, or what is you know what what is the purpose behind this? And so you provide them your mission statement. It's good to have that clearly outlined so people know what you're doing, um, how you're going to do it, and and what your targeted end is. Well, Paul defines in Colossians. 128 through 29, his mission statement. This is the mission statement of Paul's ministry. He makes it very clear. Him we preach. In other words, Paul said, this is what we do. We preach Jesus, okay? And, and, and he said, we preach him to every man. And I'm going to break this down. You know, when he, we preach this to every man. We teach this using wisdom. So he articulates to those who care to know who he is, what he's called to do, how he's going to do it, and what his end, his targeted end is or his expected results are, okay? So that's his mission statement. And, again, your, one, of your part, one of your homework assignment is to define your mission statement. Don't worry about it. By the time we get to that point, you, you'll know what to do, okay? So he defines what he's going to do, how he's going to do it, and what the success of it will look like, right? This is what I hope to achieve. By the time I'm done ministering this, thing. By the time I'm finished with this project, this is what I hope to achieve. And so it gives you goals. So when you're in ministry, whether you're called to ministry or whether you're actively serving in ministry, you need to have that, that unwritten mission statement that in the back of your mind, this is who I am. This is what I'm called to do. This is how I'm going to do it. And these are my expected results. All right, that's what you're going to um, provide for me and for your homework because I want you, whatever your ministry, whether you're actively in a church serving in ministry, whether you're going to you feel that God is calling you to ministry, whether you are a pastor, and a pastor means a shepherd, you have, you, you're cultivating, um, covering a parent ministry, I want to know what your mission statement is. And if you don't have one, today's a good day. Go ahead and put that together. Amen. Um, so you're going to clearly state what you do, which is what Paul did, how you're going to do it, what the success is going to look like. And so we're going to look at this in terms of Paul's letter to the Colossians. Um, Paul knew what he was doing. This is very important. You have to know your purpose as a minister, uh, as a believer. Number one, just let me just back it up as a person. You need to know why you're here. You need to know why God has allowed you to escape certain things. You need to know why you have survived certain things, which was a word of exhortation I gave to my church yesterday. You need to know why you are a survivor. Why those who started out with you, praise God, are no longer running the race, but you, you're still in it. You know what I'm saying? You, and you may not be where you want to be, but at least you're still on, on your way. And so you need to know that. You need to know your purpose in ministry. Why did God call me? What am I called to do? How am I going to do this? And what should be my, my expected result? You need to know that. That's what's going to define your purpose in ministry. And listen, that's going to protect you from a lot of mistakes in ministry. Because once you clearly define uh, your purpose, your mission in ministry, you, wanna, you won't give the enemy an opportunity to sidetrack you or to bamboozle you or to sway you or persuade you otherwise because you're fully persuaded and you're fully committed to what you know God has entrusted on the inside of you, right? So if you're called to the work of ministry and you know that you have this, this is what God has called me to do. This is what I know I'm supposed to be doing. Now, that's not to say that you're limited to that because, of course, God can grow you above and beyond it, but at least you've got yourself a good platform and you've got yourself a good place to stand. You understand? You've got some good solid ground to stand on versus the man that's called to ministry and, and they're going to preach. They don't know what they're preaching. They don't know who they're preaching to. They don't know how they're going to get it done and they don't know why they're doing it. Then you can see how the enemy can easily lure and seduce individuals, you know, of that sort. So we don't want to be people like that. We don't want to be people out here who are just doing things 
And, and, you know, when we're asked why or when we're asked how, we're unable to answer. You know, the Bible says we're always to be, we should always be ready to give every man an answer of the hope of a calling that's, on, that's within us. You should be able to give someone an answer as to who you are and what you're called to do. Okay? So the words, um, we're going to pull apart. Colossians 1, 28, 29. Hopefully you were able to kind of pull it up on your mobile device, or if you're at home, you can sort of open it up because I want to dissect that totally. And so I'm going to reference um, several pieces of that scripture as I move along for, this, for the first hour, okay? Um, to the words, him we preach, okay? I'm going to pull that out of context. The words, him we preach, in Paul's mission statement, all right, it gives Paul a focus. In other words, Paul knows, Jesus, I'm preaching Jesus. You know, I, I'm not preaching man's fables. I'm not preaching what mama told me. I'm not preaching what daddy. I'm preaching Jesus. So he, from the very beginning, he sets for himself a focus, a focal point. Um, if you've ever, women, if you've ever given birth, you know, most of the times the um, nurses will tell you to have a focal point, and that's to keep you focused in times of turmoil because God knows it gets pretty hectic, um, it gives you a focal point. It helps you to stay focused despite the pain, despite the agony and the discomfort. That, that focal point helps you to remain focused in the midst of, of the chaos. And so it's very important to keep your focus so that no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're going through, because seasons, and I'm going to talk about it in a little bit, seasons of challenge are going to come, seasons of chaos. Listen, it, it, it's going to be marriage to your ministry, okay? Please don't ever think God's going to call you, you're going to be anointed, you're going to preach to the nations, and, and you're just going to smooth sail. You won't have any hindrances, no hiccups, you know, no detour. You're just going to walk that thing out. Well, I, let me just be the voice of reason and assure you, emphatically assure you, that you're going to have some days when you're going to question First of all, whether Jesus loves you, okay? You're going to have some days like Elijah. Why did I come through my mother's womb? Why didn't you just take me? You understand? You're going to have some moments where you want to question God. And I don't mean question him in terms of you don't believe him, but some of the things that you're going to be, uh, that you're going to have to walk through, let me tell you something, that stuff will mess with your mind, okay? And that's why it's good to have a core group of believers who can sustain you, who can uphold you in times like that. It's good to have those friends who can tear open the roof and, and take you and drop you in front of Jesus, amen, and that's what a lesson from, from the four gospels. It's good to have people like that, okay? It's not good to be alone all the time, and, and then, again, you need to choose your friends carefully, okay? That, that's, that's, that's extreme to both sides of that. You can, have, you can walk alone. I don't trust people. I don't do people, and I don't, you know, praise God, and, and, and you can really land yourself in some trouble. Because, you know, someone, anything by itself is vulnerable to attack, right? And then on the extreme side, you can gather yourself around people, and they become your Lord. They become your stumbling block. They become a weakness. They become reasons why you're not growing. So there's extreme sides to being alone and to being with people. And you need to, just need to walk the careful middle. Um, but you want to keep that focal point so that when you're going through the crazy, you, you have, you know, it, it reels you back in. It reminds you, okay, this is why I'm doing this. This is what I'm called to. This is why, you know, I'm having to suffer through this. Remember what the Lord told Jesus. He said, let me, uh, excuse me, told uh, Paul. He said, let me show you the things that you're going to have to suffer for my name's sake. There are things that you're going to have to suffer for the sake of the ministry. And we don't, we don't like to talk about that. We don't talk about that tonight. 
but we don't want to talk about that. That suffering is what grooms you. That suffering is what fine-tunes you. That suffering is like the sandpaper that develops you, okay? So, you know, we can't run and backslide every time trouble comes, and then, you know, we call to ministry. Ministry is a place for mature people, all right? It's a place for mature people. Not to say that we're perfect, but, my God, we don't back up and, and, and fall out and pass out every time a trial comes. Trials and challenges are married to ministry. It, you can't escape it. Jesus went through it. You're going to go through it. I'm going to go through it. It's just a part of the call. It's a part of the call. So anyway, it's, it's very important to keep your focus on Jesus. It, it's important to know that your ministry is a, your, the focal point of your ministry, whether you're apostolic, prophetic, evangelistic, pastoral, teaching, amen, you've got a paraministry. The focal point of your ministry is to preach Jesus. All right, so this is what you keep center view. This is what you keep in mind. Understand that your ministry is not built upon your oratorical skills. It's not built upon your gifts. It's not built upon your charisma. It's not built upon how many people on your Facebook page. It's not built upon how many books you've written. Listen, it's none of that. Your ministry is built upon the foundation that Jesus Christ Lay the principle of salvation. That's what your ministry is built on. Whatever gifts you have is going to complement the work that God has put on the inside of you. Well, whoever your friends are should complement the work that God has put on the inside of you. Whatever other works you have done should complement that. But at the end of the day, your focal point in ministry is to preach Jesus, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, if you are not a platform preacher, then your lifestyle is going to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ, okay? Preaching doesn't mean you've got to have a, mic- have a microphone. The conversation, your behavior, your conduct, the way you, you, you um, present yourself, the way you carry yourself is a preach, okay? It's a preach. It's a preaching of the gospel. Some people will never come to church, but you'll be that church for them, right? Because we are the church of Jesus Christ. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. So they may not come to church, but they're working beside you. So guess what? You become the church to them. So praise God. I'm going to dig too deep in that because it's going to take me out of course. But anyway, so the focal point of your um, mission statement as a minister is Jesus Christ. That's always centered. Everything, I think, um, uh, uh, some Isaiah, not Isaiah, what's his name? Isaiah Houghton made a song, uh, Jesus Be the Center, right? So Jesus is the center of everything in terms of those of us who are called to the work of ministry. Now, moving on down to the second phrase in Colossians 1, 20, 29, he says, the warning of every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, right? He says, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom, okay? What does that mean? In other words, listen. You, it's essential to have wisdom. I, I can't talk about this enough. You're going to have to seek God for wisdom. You can't, you, I don't want to say you can't because you can do anything you want to do. You should not move in ministry based off of your carnal knowledge, based off of your book knowledge, based off of what you've learned, praise God. You should always move in ministry in the wisdom of God. The wisdom of God will teach you how to deal with people. The wisdom of God will teach you how to say the things you need to say. Listen, the lack of wisdom in your ministry is a guaranteed way to shorten your ministry life. And when I say ministry life, I'm talking about the number of years that you're going to be serving in ministry. Nobody wants to listen to a fool. 
you know, nobody wants to submit to a fool. Nobody wants to be a part of a foolish work. Amen. Listen, life is hard enough as it is, so nobody wants to submit to anything uh, uh, like that. So it's, it's essential when Paul says this, he says, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. You've got to have wisdom. And if you don't have it, James 1.5 says this, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that gives to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given him. And that phrase, upbraideth not, means God will not criticize you or God will not condemn you or rebuke you for asking for the wisdom. Okay? There's a scripture in um, very popular, those of you, many of you should know it. This is Second Chronicles chapter 1, verses 10 through 11. Second Chronicles chapter 1, 10 through 11. Give me now wisdom. This was a, a dream that Solomon had. This was a dream that Solomon had. And, um, and in this dream, the Lord appeared before him and asked him, you know, what do you want? Essentially, what do you want me to give you? And so here is Solomon's response. Again, this is found in Second Chronicles chapter 1, verses 10 through 11. Give me now wisdom and, and knowledge that I, may, that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge thy people this, excuse me, that is so great. And God said to Solomon, because this was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked riches or wealth or honor, nor the life of your enemies, neither have you asked for long life, but you have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself. He said that you may judge my people over whom I have made you king. I, I think if you got your Bible, this is, this is speaking clearly in a lot of areas. This is showing you what God expects from us. Those of us who are called to leadership are those of us who are, ser who are serving God over a body of people, whether it's your auxiliary, your department, your paraministry, you're serving God over a group of people, okay? This is what the Lord is looking for. He said, he said uh, you have not asked long life, but you ask for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may judge my people, okay, over whom I have made you king. Wisdom and knowledge is granted unto thee. Uh, and I will give thee riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, uh, neither shall there any after thee have the like. So you see here in Paul, excuse me, in Solomon's dream where God presents himself before Solomon, you have to understand what was going on with Solomon at that time. There had been a lot of controversy over Solomon being a, uh, called as king, okay? Uh, Solomon was the youngest baby. He was the youngest boy. And not only that, he was born from Bathsheba. Y'all know the history between David and Bathsheba. I mean, by this time they had been married. She was a queen, praise God, but there was a little history there. Solomon was very young. And if you look, if you study the history of Solomon, amen, you would find that Solomon was a child that didn't have much wisdom, okay? He was kind of a simple child. And so people didn't really, they didn't have a lot of confidence. And I just want to help some of you. Uh, the, uh, the people did not have confidence in Solomon as a leader, okay, like they had David. David had already proven himself before he became king uh, over Israel. He had already proven himself as a warrior. You understand? So his reputation, uh, it, it, um, it, it went before him. It, it preceded him, right? Well, Solomon didn't have anything. He didn't have – the only reputation Solomon had was for being a, ba a mother's boy, a mama's boy. Because remember, they had just lost a child. So you can imagine. I mean, come on. So I, I want you to – I want to kind of give you some, some perspective don't just think God just showed up in Solomon because God was delighting in Solomon and, and, and Solomon, it, it, you know, asked for this wisdom. Don't think, you know, don't, don't miss why this happened. There was a lot more that was going on that, um, 
that that moved God to uh, to visit Solomon like that. That Solomon lacked the confidence to lead the people. Solomon did not have the wisdom to lead the people. Solomon didn't have the reputation as a leader. He was known as a, ba- a mama's boy and baby boy, and he had Solomon. Excuse me, David had all of these other sons, right? And so, you know, and y'all know the story with with David's sons. So there was there was this big controversy with David's family. And people wonder, you know, some of the other wives wanted to know why, you know, their son wasn't king. They were older and, and more, you know, buff, you know what I'm saying? And so, but God chooses the foolish things to confound the wise. And so this is why we see what happened in Second Chronicles chapter 1, verses 10 to 11. And some of you may have experienced this, or you may be about to experience this in your own life, where you lack that confidence for the work that God has called you to, you don't have the, the experience in that area, yet you feel God drawing you to that certain thing. And so God will come in and God will deal with you. Amen. God will speak to you in dreams and visions. And, and, and you know, he will prepare you for that. God will give you opportunities for growth. Praise God. And so this is what happens with Solomon. And I didn't mean to go along that rabbit trail, but I really felt like I wanted to kind of just, you know, just give you a little bit more meat off of, of this, you know, what we just read. Um, that it's a, little, it's a little bit more than than what meets the eye. Um, so in this, really, God was testing Samson. <laughs> wow, not Samson, Samuel, uh, Sam, um, Solomon, Jesus. So really, God was testing uh, Solomon because Solomon couldn't favor. Remember what the Lord said? He said, you, you know, you didn't ask for wealth. You didn't ask for honor. And what the Lord was saying is, listen, son, I know that you've got some self-esteem issues. I know you've got some, maybe some rejection issues because the people were rejecting him as king. Okay, so the Lord knew that Solomon had those issues in his flesh. And I believe even when we're called to do the work of ministry, God already knows the things you struggle with. He knows that you struggle with with being an orphan. He knows you struggle with abandonment. He knows you struggle with being rejected. You know what I'm saying? Just like God knew that Saul struggled with these areas. That's why God appointed Samuel to walk with Saul. And so I don't want you to miss this because there will be places in ministry in realms of ministry that God will call you to knowing full well your background, okay? Knowing full well that some of the things you went through uh, in your mind, like Moses, and you'll, you'll talk yourself out of it. Well, God, I stutter. God, I don't have this kind of background. I wasn't raised, born and raised in a church. I, you know, I don't have this and so forth. You know, you'll talk yourself out of it. Okay, and, and God will have to assign people like he told Moses, so you know what, I'll send your brother with you. I'll send Aaron with you. And and, and like he um, did with Saul, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll send you a Samuel. You see what I'm saying? So even in that, even in your weaknesses, listen, God will send people, and, and you, can't, you can't kill the people God sent to you because they're not coming to you to be your friend. Okay? Then and boy, did I have to learn that, praise God. They're not coming to you to be your friend. They're not coming to you to be your bosom pal and buddy, and you can't go out and eat ice cream, and you can't, you know what I'm saying? They're not there for that. You're going to frustrate the assignment that God has placed them in your life for because you're looking for a friend, and they're not your friend. They are the iron the, in the drawer, praise God, that's supposed to sharpen you and, and equip you and prepare you for this work that you're called to do. That's why they're there. So they're not going to agree with everything you say. They're not going to agree with everything you do. They're not your friends, okay? If you want a friend, go get a friend. But don't drag friendship into the ministry because it's, there's, there's no place for that. You understand what I'm saying? There's a place for, for the sisterhood, for the brotherhood. But at the end of the day, when you're wrong, I need to tell you that you're wrong, and I need you to listen, praise God. I need you to feel comfortable, and I need you to make me feel comfortable correcting you in this area. 
But a friend, praise God, praise the Lord. It can be kind of, you know, sensitive there. So we're not called for that. Okay, so again, and I just went a long way around, but we're still talking about the dynamics, right, of serving people. You got to understand people. You got to know your mission statement. You have to know your focal point, right? And so now we're moving into the wisdom of it. You got to, you got to move into the wisdom. The Bible says, um, uh, how uh, familiarity breeds contempt, and this you can get so close to people and 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 and, and just bosom buddy 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 until when it's time for God to say shift or move. You know, instead of you say, okay, God, you're fighting the process, amen, and you're, you're you, let me tell you something. I, you know, I've, many of my church members, I've given them a personal um, and very hurtful example of how I was trying to build a friendship, amen. And my, I had a best friend since I was um, five years old, and then another girl that I met when I was mm, eight, okay, and, and we all came up in ministry together. We all came up in ministry uh, together, praise God. We were tight, man. We'd stay over at each other's houses and shop together and talk about boys together. I mean, we did all of that stuff, right? But as we became older, you know, the call on my life became more pronounced, okay? It became more pronounced. And, and so the Lord began to pull on me. The Lord began to deal with me. But I, I was still connected with those friends. I mean, we have been friends about five, eight years old. Here I am in my 20s, early 20s, like really 20. And um, so, you know, you're talking about 15 years just about that we've been best friends. And so it was, it was a soul tie that the Lord was severing. And I didn't, I didn't want it severed, just to be honest with you. I didn't want it severed. Um, I didn't want to deal with the pain of that soul tie being severed. Amen. And so um, it, it, it took one of the prophets of the church to come and bring me a really hard word, a really hard word. And um, at the end of the day, I had to make a decision. I had to either choose the working ministry, which at that time, I'm like 20 years old. I don't really know. God knows. had no idea. Here I am 20-some years later doing this. But what I'm saying is I, I, I had no idea what, um, what all God was doing in my life. Amen? And so, but I had a decision to make, and the Lord made it emphatically clear. He said, either you're going to choose those friends, or, you know, you're going to forsake the friendship and you're going to continue to grow. And God was calling me out of that friendship. And basically what was, essentially what was happening is I was yielding myself to the Lord to grow and my friends weren't. They just wanted to talk and gossip and, you know, do stuff that friends do. Praise the Lord. And God was pulling me out. Like God needed my tongue to be clean. God needed my heart to be clean. God needed my hands to be clean. And so God pulled me out. And let me tell you something. That was a hard thing. During that time, um, I was actually um, – a supervisor, and one of my best friends was working for me. So you're talking about awkward. Okay, lunch break, we used to go out and eat lunch together and talk and cut up. And lunch break, I'm going one direction, she's going another direction. It was hurtful. Not only that, she was going through a crisis in her relationship where I needed to be there. But even then, God ripped me away from that. So let me tell you something. Don't Listen, you preach to the choir when you tell me it's hard and we've been friends for a long time. You preaching to the choir, been there, done that. One day may write a book, but what I'm saying to you now, and I look, that was when I was 20. This is over 20 years later, okay? And now I thank God that I did make that decision. My two friends, uh, one, of, one of my friends, we don't even speak religion, kill that. And then the other friend, praise God, you know, we speak every once in a very casual. We're, you know, we still speak with friendly, but it's, it's just a casual friendship. But spiritually, I'm a giant. You see what I'm saying? They're coming to me for prayer and, and really not even involved in ministry, you know, not near to the degree where God has me. So what I'm saying is I didn't, I, I couldn't see that then when I was 20 years old, 19, 20, 21 years old. I could not see that then. All I knew is we grew up together. We were friends. I'm, this is for somebody, okay? 
Uh, I couldn't see that. All I knew was we were buddies, and this is what we do.
Are you guys text me somebody to let me know if you can hear me? Checking my um text messages now. Check now and see if you can hear me. Okay, good, 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 good. All right. Okay, good. I don't know what I don't know what happened. Um, give me a minute. I'm gonna dial into my home line too, just to have a good backup. So give me just a minute, just to have a backup. You know, the enemy doesn't want this message to get out. I don't know how this um, line was disconnected, but we're gonna get back in. Welcome to Talk Show. Please enter the call ID followed by the pound key. Enter your PIN followed by the pound key. If you are not a TalkShoe member, press 1, then pound. You are now joining the call. Okay. All right. I'm going to keep that on. Just have a backup. All right. Uh, good. Well, you, you guys can hear me. That's wonderful. Okay. Um, let me try to pick back up where... I left off. Let's see. Get back to my streaming people. Okay, good. I'm get this light off of me. So what we're talking about, I don't know how much you guys, uh, how much we, we got cut off from, but we were talking about um, using wisdom in ministry and how uh, the lack of wisdom can certainly uh, abort, it can shorten our ministry life. So we want to make sure that we're asking God for wisdom so we know how to deal with people, okay? We'll know how to entreat people. We'll know how to, um, you know, when to back up, when to move away. We'll know how to do that. With the, with the, with, yeah, separated from friends. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So there'll be a time, uh, I guess you guys said, what I, the last thing that you all heard was I was talking about being separated from friends. And so it's going to, you know, in order to walk into that more mature place, um, in the Lord, we're going to have to make some tough decisions. And some of those decisions will involve walking away from certain people. And let me just say this. Let me just put this out there. Because in walking away from people, watch how you even do that. You understand what I'm saying? Because sometimes you, you're walking away for a season. And God is going to bring you back at a certain time. So you don't want to just burn the bridge completely. I've seen people, I mean, my God, you know, be careful how you end the season. Because many, many times, it's going to define how your next season is going, to, is going to open up to you. So even if you have to walk away, use wisdom even in that. You know, don't, you know and, and I've said this on several other calls, uh, you know, especially if you're parting as friends, then there are things that you know about people, you know, private things or what have you that you shared. You don't put that out there. You don't put people's personal. You're still, you're still bound by that oath, okay? You're still bound by the oath of that friendship. So don't, don't, destroy a person's reputation. Don't destroy the church. Don't destroy the bishop. I mean, you watch how you, because that's going to reveal your spirit too, right? Um, so you want to be careful in that. I, I've seen people that they've walked away from a season in their life, and they, they walked away so terrible. I mean, it was just a terrible, uh, yeah, I mean, some things you can't help. You understand what I'm saying? But when you can, you know, uh, sis, friend, bruh, you know, this is a time right now where God is, which is what I had to do realistically. I had to sit my friend down and said, I, you know, we can't do this anymore. And she was crying and I was crying because we really love each other. You know, it was a Jonathan David type of thing, but it was not conducive for my spiritual growth. And, and I had to have that hard conversation and we hugged and we loved each other and we still spoke. You know what I'm saying? Like I said, here now, over 20-some years later, we still speak, still love each other's kids and stuff, but it's that closeness is not there. And God never brought that closeness back. 
that God never allowed that closeness back, um, but we're still amicable. You know what I'm saying? We're still on good terms. So, again, you know, when God separates, I feel like I need to just kind of put that out there. You know, don't just cut people off. You understand what I'm saying? There's a way even to do that. And, and of course, you need the wisdom of God to help you uh, facilitate the, the breaking away. Um, I want to think that that was all that I had said about that. Then I was moving into the discrimination in ministry. Um, and I'm talking about how, you know, we, we like our comfort zones. We, we like what's comfortable. We like ministering to people that we know and people that we know will applaud us and will clap for us and will love us. And, you know, you know many of us are not comfortable enough to venture out into other atmospheres. You know, we don't want to do street ministry or, you know what I'm saying, things that are, that are outside of the four walls. You know, we don't feel comfortable with that because we're not surrounded by our, our cushion, you know. But how, how, how can you grow and how can you develop if you're in, you know, in that, in that, restri- that constricted place, that restrict- constricted place? How can you develop? How can you flex your muscles? How do you know how far God can use you? How do you know this type of ministry is in you if you never allow God to pull that thing out of you? So when Paul said, he said, and he repeated every man three times. Three times he repeated every man. And so God, is he, he's dealing with something here. And he says, I want the gospel preached to every creature. I don't care if they're homosexual. I don't care if they're drug addicted. I don't care if they're so drunk they urinated on their clothes. You know, I, I, it doesn't matter if they just slept with five people like this woman. It, it, I need the gospel preached to every creature. So you can't discriminate. You know, you can't just, you know, your name is on the roster for, for church, church all day long. But the minute there's something to do out in the community, outreach, we can't do that. You understand what I'm saying? We're going to have to learn how to stand toe-to-toe against Jehovah's Witnesses. You're going to have to learn how to stand toe-to-toe against Muslims or any other type of religion, praise God, that, that's going to fly in the face of what we believe in. You're going to have to learn how to do that, okay? You, and that's what Paul had to do. Paul, as an apostle, he understood doctrine. And that's the area I don't think that, that many of us in ministry, I don't think we understand doctrine. Some of us still don't understand the doctrine of the resurrection. Some of us don't even understand end time. You know, the minute, you know, a big storm comes, oh, I know the end is soon to come. There's been storms coming for thousands of years. You understand? Those are the signs of the end, praise God. So when you don't understand doctrine, the doctrine of of eschatology, the doctrine of baptism, the doctrine of salvation, the doctrine, amen, of um, of, uh, 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 the fivefold, these are Bible doctrines that, that, you know, we need to know. We understand the doctrine of the Jehovah's Witnesses, you know, because they study our Bible. They study our Bible. The Bible says Satan knows the word, right? He knows where he trembles at the name of Jesus. So he even understands to have fear. Satan has more fear of God than some of the believers do, believe it or not. Amen. So this is uh, vital that, you know, as we're maturing in God, we're maturing. Understand the doctrine of deliverance, how to cast out devils. Praise God. There's some people still throwing water on people. You don't cast the devil out by throwing water on people. It's a command in the name of Jesus. Come out. And so, you know, when, but when you don't understand doctrine, you'll subscribe to anybody who has a great idea, regardless of whether you can substantiate it in Scripture. If you cannot find it in Scripture, you cannot use it in the gospel ministry. Bottom point blank, period. You cannot use it, okay? Uh, praise the Lord, because it was another issue I wanted to hit on, but I'm not going to go there just yet. Uh, but at any rate, you know, there is a discrimination that we have. We like our faith zone. You know, but when someone comes in and, 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 and they're acting out of sorts, we don't we send them to, to somebody else. We don't want to deal with that. 
Whether we're afraid of dealing with it or whether we don't have the wisdom, we just don't deal with it. And that is a, 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 a handicap to our spiritual growth as ministers. Okay, you at some point, God's going to pull you out of your comfort zone and God's going to launch you out, praise God, into the deep, into the deep. And when you throw a net, if you've ever been fishing with anybody, praise God, when you cast your net into the deep, I'm not talking about this uh, uh, lakeside stuff. You pretty much know catfish and crappies and things of that nature. You pretty much know what's right around the lake, at the edge of the lake. But when you cast your net into the deep, you want to draw back all kinds of stuff. And see, that's what the Lord is saying. At some point, you want to be able to cast your net. You want to take the gospel message to the deep, to the hedges, and to the highways to where you don't know what you're going to run into. That's not how Jesus prepared a disciple. He said, go in two. Don't take nothing with you. Go. You understand know what I'm saying? And he put them out there, praise God. And, and they had to come back, and this, Lord, Lord, this is what happened. They were so excited because they were out from under Jesus' wing, praise God, and they had to get out there. And, 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 and do this gospel message thing on their own. And guess what? They had it in them the whole time. You understand what I'm saying? They had listened to the teachings. They had listened to what Jesus said, praise God. And they had it. They cast out devils, praise God. They brought people into the kingdom. And they were, the Bible said they were full of joy. And Jesus said, don't rejoice in that the demons are subject. He said, rejoice that your names are written in the last book of life. You see what I'm saying? So that it, Jesus was saying to them, it's not so much about your works. It's about where you are positioned in the body of Christ. So it's a beautiful thing in ministry to allow God to push you out of your comfort zone. Right now, I'm, God knows I'm out of my comfort zone. Those of you who know me personally, the Lord has me all over the place. And, I, you know, I don't want to take up a lot of time talking about that, but it has certainly nothing to do with the platform. It has nothing to do with the church at all. I mean, my God. And you know what? I'm surviving. And not only am I surviving, I'm flourishing. You understand what I'm saying? And, and so God has me in a, 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 um, in a uh, very diverse group of people, and the light is shining. When they want prayer, you know, they call me to pray. And when I finish praying, they're clapping their hands. You know, uh, different people come and asking for prayer and, and, and you know, uh, on my Facebook page and things. So, you know, God is going to throw you out there sometimes into some really murky waters, and, and you won't uh, 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 drown. You're going to swim. You're going to be able to flourish because God's going to stretch you. You can't just, your ministry is not going to be confined to the four walls. Your ministry is not confined to you teaching Sunday school. That's too safe a place. The Bible said the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violence takes by force. There's nothing violent about teaching Sunday school. <laughs> you understand? I mean, the worst you can get is somebody comes in late. That's about the most violent that gets. You understand what I'm saying? But, you know, there are places that God wants to groom you in and train you in, and you're going to have to get thrust out there. Okay? And you're going to do fine. You're going to come back like the early apostles did, and you're going to come back, Lord, Lord, I've done this in your name, and we've done that, and, and we brought this report back, and they were happy, and they were filled with joy because they had a confidence that they could do the work of the ministry without Jesus holding their hand. Okay? Again, learning how to deal with the dynamics of serving people. You are not just called to minister in church. Some of your greatest ministry feats will be outside of the four walls. Okay? Uh, and depending on where you serve, it may not even be space in the church for you to minister. So you may just be in there to, to serve and to support the house and to be groomed, but the bulk of where God is using you is somewhere in your community or at your job or in some civic group or something, okay? So don't, don't, don't tie God's hands in terms of how he wants to use you. Let me move on. 
So anyway, I want to, let me just finish this point, that the words every man will repeat it three times, and so God expects you to preach and minister to everybody, not just your favorite group, not just people who look like you or who talk like you, to everyone, okay? And Paul did that. He ministered It didn't matter. If you moved, if you had a heartbeat, Paul would preach to you. Praise God. And that's why his ministry was so powerful and it was so anointed. So you're going to have to preach to the hedges and highways, to the young, to the old, amen, to the blind, to the lame, to the crippled, to, to the diseased, to the demonized, to the homosexuals, to the gays, praise God, to the Republicans, to the Democrats, to the Green Party, amen, to the rich, to the poor, to the black, to the white, from Buddhism, Buddhist to the Hindus. You, you, you're supposed to spread your wings. You're supposed to spread your wings and let God use you anywhere and however he wants to. Okay, uh, so praise the Lord. We see a lot of conferences, and, and, and listen, nothing wrong with conferences every once in a while. I mean, some people have a conference every week. I'm like, my God, you know, conference is a set time to come together. It's a set time to come together to equip, amen, to train or to exhort or what have you. But at some point when you're released from the conference, you go out and you do the work that you learned in the conference. But how in the world can you go out and do anything if you're having a conference every week? You're so busy having conferences, you don't have time to actually demonstrate the, what you learn in the conference. So some of it is like a rabbit wheel. You ever seen those rabbit wheels? And they just get on it and just go around in circles. You're, not, you're moving, but you're not going anywhere, okay? You're not moving. You're not moving. <laughs> you're, just, you're just turning in circles, but you're not making any uh, strides. You're not, making, you're not growing, praise the Lord. Uh, so praise God. Uh, talking more about wisdom, okay? Um, you're going to have to have this wisdom when you're dealing with people that are outside of your church. You're going to have the wisdom when you're, you're, you're ministering and witnessing to someone on your job. You, you can't, you know what I'm saying? The conversation at work is different from your conversation at the church uh, on Sundays. It's a different conversation. You have to have wisdom, okay? Uh, you have to have wisdom, praise God, when, you, when you're dealing with people so you can reel them in, right? Let me give you some scriptures. In Proverbs 1130, the Bible says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that wins souls is wise. Remember what I said about a fool, a fool? Nobody wants to work with a fool. Who's going to follow a fool to church? You understand what I'm saying? Who wants to sit in a church and you got foolish leaders joking and laughing and cutting up and acting stupid all the time? People are dying and, and, and got situations, serious situations, and you laughing and joking and cutting slips and monkeys and stuff. Who, you know, who wants to be bothered with that? Okay? So, so people like wisdom. You know, wisdom solves a problem. Hey, I'm going through this in my marriage, so I, I need to sit under a ministry that can teach me how to be a good wife or how to be a good husband or, or how to, to, to talk without fussing and arguing. Or how, you know what I'm saying? I need to be a part of a ministry that can teach me that. So wisdom will grow your ministry. People will come to you because you have the wisdom that will help solve the problem that they're facing in their life. Wisdom. Teaching, warning, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. So are people coming to you for counsel? Are they coming to you for prayer? You know, because folks are watching your life. They're watching your life. And if no one's coming to you asking you for anything, maybe it's because they don't see anything worth asking. Yes. Maybe they don't see anything worth, worth, worth asking, okay? Um, so he that wins souls is wise. It takes wisdom. takes wisdom, excuse me to be a soul winner. And let me tell you something. If you in the in the ministry and your your focus is not to win souls, something is off. If you're in ministry just to preach or just to be seen, you 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 have missed it. You you know, you're like one of those that Jesus said, I never knew you depart from me. You know what I'm saying? If you're called to ministry, 
your focal point is Jesus, and what did Jesus come to do? I came to seek and save that which was lost. In your preaching, you're pulling people out of a lost place. In your warning, you're pulling people out of a lost place. In your life, you're pulling people out of a lost place, okay? So you have to use the wisdom of God to save, amen, to, to, to introduce a gospel to people that will cause them to say, what must I do to be saved, okay? When you stand before the Lord, how many souls are going to, can God say, okay, uh, daughter, son, whoever you are, you have 12 souls that you've saved to the kingdom, that you brought into the kingdom, but you've been saved for 50 years. You, do you see how that works? Amen. You've been saved for 50 years. And I'm just throwing these numbers out, okay? I'm just throwing them out. But you only brought one, 12 people to Christ. Thank God for the 12 souls. Hallelujah. But how many more people could you have won to the Lord through your ministry? Through whatever ministry you call it, because remember, we talked about different types of ministries, okay? How many people will stand before God and say, I'm here, I'm saved, I'm sanctified and spirit-filled because of her, because of him, because of that message he preached, because of that message she preached. How many people will stand before? That's what it's ultimately all about. When we stand before the Father, all of us are going to stand and say, thank God for Jesus. Every knee shall bow and every tongue is going to confess, right, that Jesus is Lord. Okay, all of us are are going to confess that. But how many people, when you stand before the judgment seat, this is when your works are going to be revealed. Praise God. And God's going to look at you and he's listening, how well you spoke and how well you made the people shout, honey, sweetheart, baby, boo-boo, does not matter. God is not interested in anything that appeases the flesh. God is not interested if you preach the message and people threw $5,000 into the offering, not interested. He's not interested in, in, in how many people ran around the church and tore the wall down and broke a pew. Not interested. What is going to move the heart of God is how many souls have you won into the kingdom of God? How many souls have you snatched out of the mouth of the enemy? That's what matters. Jesus said, I have been manifested to destroy the works of the devil. Mission statement. There's a movie that said, message, that was, that was his I'm here to destroy the work of the devil. I'm here to seek and save that which was lost. Okay, so you you got to get this. Ministers, leaders, you have to get this. Your life, when at the end of your life, at the end, when you get to your, from your Genesis, when you get to your revelation, amen, when you get to the end of your life journey, praise God, you and I are going to stand before the Lord, and the books of our life are going to be open. And every deed that we've done, every message we preach, every prayer that we pray, if we preach something out of our own flesh because we were mad or because we were trying to compete, I mean, come on, work to the flesh, just work to the flesh, okay? You knew you, you were dealing with things personally. You needed to be in the seat listening to somebody preach, but instead you got to then preach anyway just to take up your spot. You're going to answer to God for that unless you repent. You see, this is serious. This is not just, oh, I'm going to preach. Uh, I'm going to be the greatest preacher. I'm called to the nations. Oh, we're so far beyond that. How effective is your work as a minister? Are you that fig tree that was in full bloom but had no fruit? Preached a wonderful message, but nobody got saved. Nobody had a change of heart. Nobody repented. And folks can come to the altar and go to the act just because for whatever, but I'm talking about where there's a real change, where you see a walking, talking, living, breathing change in a person's life because of your message. That's a star in your crown. 
But if you're up there wasting an hour of time, praise God, just because whatever, you want to answer to God for that. He said to redeem the time because the days are evil. Don't you know for every week there's a certain message? Remember, I, well, I don't know with you guys, but in the Old Testament, in, in my Old Test, in my Bible study class, I talk about, or somewhere, I don't know, y'all, I've talked to so many people. But in the temple, they would have, a, it's called the table of showbread. And every week, the priest had to place a fresh supply of bread out for the people of God, well, for the priest, rather. There would be a fresh supply of bread. It represents 12 faces of the Lord, government, and that's deep. I, hallelujah, can't get to that right now. But anyway, what, what I'm saying is there should be a fresh supply of bread in the house of God, not something you found on YouTube, not something you, you want to preach, you've got to say, and you've got to get it out. No, 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 no. You put your ear. Remember we talked about how to prepare for the message. You put your ear to God's mouth. Lord, what is going on with your people? What do they need to hear? What are the areas of, your, of their life that you want me to address? And, and you know what I'm saying? You go to God for that. And if you take that sacred time when you're supposed to put fresh bread on the table for the people, for the house of God, and you all you're doing is flipping over stale bread, my God today, you want to go ahead to, and, and get to God in prayer? And ask the Lord to, to, to forgive you because you wasted that time that you'll never get back. Maybe it was that week, it was a certain thing that some of God's people were supposed to go through, and they needed a certain word from God. And, 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 and you, for whatever reason, weren't in position to hear it or didn't want to hear it, and you missed it and caused these people to go through. God said, there's a word of God, and I think it's in Ezekiel. He said, what unto the people, the prophets, that made my people's heart sad and whom I have not made sad? In other words, you know, when a people walk away sad, that God has not saddened, okay, and they're sad because of, for whatever reason, I won't even go into that because there could be a whole million reasons why, the Lord said, woe to them that made my people's hearts sad and whom I have not made sad. You're supposed to give them a fresh supply of bread. Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven, the manna come down from heaven that fills the people of God. Listen, it filled them, praise God, for just that day because God wanted them to come back for a fresh supply. Remember in the Old Testament when they tried to hold on to the bread, they tried to, some of them were trying to put them in their pockets, and the next day it was rotten because God said, I don't want you to keep it and preserve it. I want you to feed, eat it, and, and expect something new. The same thing transitions over to the work of ministry. There should be a new message, something that's going to carry the people of God, something that's going to edify the people of God, something that's going to give them answers, going to give them hope, amen, give them a strength to get through, that, to get through whatever it is that week or that season that they're in. And if you're the set person of that hour, then you are tasked with that responsibility to deliver the bread. God holds you responsible. And, I, I, and I'm going to put a pause right there. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. Um, so there are books of the deeds of our life that are open. And let me tell you something. God is a meticulous bookkeeper, okay? Um, these are things, things that we have not repented of or, you know, for whatever reason we have not corrected or have not addressed. And, and listen, to those of us who know more, we'll be beat with many more stripes because we know better, right? We should know better. So, so, you know, we can't use that excuse. Well, God, I was going through that day. Well, you should have sat down and let somebody else do it. Okay? Well, God, it was my turn. You should have sat down and let somebody else do it. You, you understand what I'm saying? You have to take responsibility for where you are in God or either crucify yourself and get up there and do what you got to do and then get back on the altar when you get done. But don't bleed over God's people. Okay? Uh, so the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that wins souls is wise. First Corinthians nine nineteen. for though I be free from all men, I love this scripture. 
Paul says, for though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And so Paul is saying, listen, I'm free. I'm not enslaved to anybody. I can do pretty much what I want to do. He said, but you know what? Just so I can save other people, I will make myself a slave to them. That's what we do in ministry. That's what I do in some of those outside things that God has me involved in. Trust me, I don't want to walk two and three miles in the cold. Praise God. Amen. That's not something my flesh desires to do. I'd rather be home watching this stuff on TV. But for whatever reason, in this season of my life and for the next four years, this is what I'm obligated to do. This is a ministry assignment, praise God. So what do I do? I, hey, choke it up, toughen up, and tell God, thank you. Buy my gloves and my sneakers and keep it moving. You see what I'm saying? Because that's where God needs – that's my platform right now. One of my platforms right now is to uh, – to the schools, praise the Lord. So, so Paul said, he said, just so that I can win man, I'll do whatever it takes. I'll go wherever I need to go. Again, when I talk about not being, uh, not discriminating in, in, as a minister, it means you will open your heart to minister to whoever God sends you to. You become a servant. And I, listen, when I say servant, I don't mean servant in that. I just mean that you will bring your, you will humble. Paul said, I know how to be a base and how to abound. I know how to lift myself up and I know when I need to humble myself. I know how in certain circles you go in, you may not be acknowledged as a minister. You understand? You may not be acknowledged as a bishop or as an apostle or as a prophet. You may just be Mr. So-and-so, Miss So-and-so. You have to know how to humble yourself so that the work of God can get done. Okay? You have to know when Jesus went to the miracle, to the wedding, praise God, he went just as a, as a guest. He didn't go in as Jesus, Lord of glory, and I'm going to put the tables over. And, and he didn't go that day. He didn't go in a, as a lion. He went as a lamb. You have to know when to go in as a lamb. And you're still anointed. You're still powerful. You're still all of that in a bag of chips. But for this assignment, God says, I need you to be a lamb. And you got to humble yourself. You may have to sweep a floor. You, like me, I, I'm taking, picking up trash, taking up trash, dumping trash cans. You know, you can't be so anointed that you can't serve. You're just too anointed if you can't serve. Okay? So, um, so, so Paul said, he said, listen, though I be free, 1 Corinthians 9, 19, though I be free from all men, I made myself a servant unto all that I might win them, that I may gain them, that I can win their souls. That's how much in love Paul was with the gospel ministry, that Paul said, listen, I, whatever I have to do, if I got to sit in here and sing the, the, the jailhouse rock, what, if that's what it takes to preach the gospel, for you to see Jesus in me, let's, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? He didn't, he didn't uh, single anything out. He didn't look for those comfortable places to minister. Wherever the need was, wherever he saw people, that's where he went. James 5.20, let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide, or some translations say cover, a multitude of sins. This is Apostle James chapter 5, verse 20. Let him know that he which converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. That's what we do. That's what Jesus did, right? Jesus came and he became that light. He exposed the dark areas of our life and, and to the point that we saw our own weaknesses, we saw our own humanity and frailty, and we say, God, we need a Savior. And so we opened up our hearts and we invited Jesus to come in, and he saved our soul, and he washed us and forgive, forgave us of our sins. Well, why don't you think that God doesn't want to do that for somebody else? Okay? So James said that. He said, listen, he said, you that convert the sinner 
from the Arab's way, you have covered their sins. You have given them an opportunity to enter into the body of Christ, to be washed, amen, in the blood of Jesus, to be baptized of their sins, uh, baptized, amen, and, and, and to, to, to be forgiven of their sins. You, you gave them that opportunity. You opened the door of the jailhouse and you let the prisoners go free. That's what you did. And let me tell you something. God loves soul winners. One more scripture, and then I'm going to move on down for a little bit more. Daniel chapter 12, verse 3. Those who are wise will shine like the bright expanse of the heavens, and those who lead many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. Did you hear that? Especially those of you who are evangelists, did you hear what the prophet Daniel said about those who are soul winners? He said the soul winners, he said those who are wise are shining. You're like a shining, you're a beacon of light because, you know, you are the ones that people in the dark season, they, they're looking for that light. They're looking for hope. They're looking for solutions. So you're the one they run to. But he said, for those of you who are leading many to righteousness, he said, you are like the stars shining forever and forever. My, that's a powerful thing for God to say about ministers, amen, who walk in wisdom and who are out saving souls. God's word says that. Okay, let's move on. So the word that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus, okay, this is what gives your ministry that targeted goal. Remember we talked about your mission statement in the beginning, and we talked about the targeted goal, right, what your expected end should be. Well, Paul's expected end was that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. That's what, that's what the ultimate goal is, is to present every man before Jesus, okay, as a, a perfect mature, equipped, developed, fine-tuned, sharp. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and so, he's, so, you know, and here, this is what gives us our perspective in ministry. We're not preaching for money. We're not preaching for another engagement. We're not preaching for fame. We are preaching and we're teaching so that we may present every man perfectly, excuse me, in Christ Jesus. That's, that's our ultimate goal. God, I want my church to be presented before you as a bridegroom with no spots, no wrinkles clean, pure, holy. That's, that's my goal. That's my goal, to love the people of God, to, to teach the people of God, to shepherd the people of God, to train them, amen, to that when, I, when it was time to present them before the throne of God, amen, their, their garments are clean, pressed, praise God, no blemishes, no spots. That's your targeted goal in ministry, to present your children faultless before the presence of his glory, to present your marriage, to present uh, those in your community, those under your influence, to present that here, God, this is the sign of my apostleship. This is the sign of my pastoralhood. Praise God. This is the fruit of my ministry. Remember, the fig tree was in full bloom, no fruit. No fruit. You must have fruit in your ministry. Here, God, here's the deacon board. Here, God, here's the musician corner. Here, Lord, here, here's the, the, the lay members. You know, you want to present that to God proud. God, I've labored, I've prayed, I've fasted. Lord, God, I, I've, I've ministered to them, I've encouraged them, I've corrected them. And here, here it is, Lord, I'm presenting this thing to you, Lord God, and, and asking you, Lord God, to show forth your glory on it. You know, or if you have a paraministry, you've labored over it, you've invested into it, you've got the right people serving on your board of directors, and you're moving in a spirit of excellence, and you're presenting that thing to God. You know, when I go before the Lord and I present to him PDL ministry, teaching it all across the globe and, and books and seminars and things of that nature, I'm gonna, I have to present this fruit to God. Okay, I have to present this fruit to God. You've got to present all of my books, all of my CDs, all of my works. 
I'm going to have to present them to God. Just like Cain and Abel brought their fruit to the Lord, brought their offerings to the Lord, and one God received, the other God despised. Okay, your work in ministry is fruit. That's the fruit of your labor, which I'm moving into that now. Uh, he said, to this end, I also labor and strive. Okay, so the work in ministry is something I labor. I'm working in it. It's, I'm not just going to sit back and wait for somebody to tell me what to do. And t- I mean, you know, come on to some degree. But, you know, I, I'm not waiting for, for you know, for the, the heavens to roll back and for Jesus to speak. You know, praise God. I'm moving in the spirit of God. I'm moving in the word of God. I'm striving. I'm laboring. I'm moving in excellence. I'm always looking how to better this area. I'm always looking how to strengthen this area. I'm always laboring and striving for excellence. Right? I'm, I'm looking for the mastery in this thing. Praise God. So I'm looking to master whatever that your ministry is, you mastering it. Okay? And, and so, when you, so that when you present it to God, amen, it's something like Solomon where the glory comes down, just fills the room with God. is so pleased with your sacrifice. He's so pleased with, with your fruit. He's so pleased with your work. So it's not something that you just get ready to do on Sunday morning. This is a lifestyle. It's not something that you do when it's your turn to preach. It's a lifestyle. It's a part of who you are. When you go to sleep, you're a minister. When you wake up, you're a minister. When you're in the grocery store, you're a minister. When you're at the park with your kids, you're a minister. Everywhere I go, somebody, hey, problems. And I'm like, good God. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And you have to present yourself that way. Okay? You have to present yourself uh, uh, that way. Praise the Lord. Because that's, who you, that's the call that's on your life. And you never know when God's going to use you to do something, so you got to always be ready. So to this end, I also labor and striving. So Paul worked very hard to accomplish his goal. Some of you may have to get a degree for certain areas of ministry that God has taken you into. Some of you may have to learn different languages. You understand? There, there may be a, a work that you're going to have to put into your craft, into your gift. You may have to learn how to play an instrument. You may have to learn how to, how to sing or tone your vocals. You, you may have to learn how to do certain things. Okay, so that you can master your craft and not just throw something before the Lord if you hadn't, come on now, I mean, just lazy and just trifling and just, my God, it's just, you know, it's, it's like how the earth was in the beginning, without shape, form, or void, it's just darkness covered the face of the deep. It, you know, you didn't put no, you hadn't studied, you hadn't fasted, you hadn't prayed, and you just throwing it out and hear God. Don't you know that's what got Cain in trouble, praise God? You just gathered something up and you presented that junk. You presented that mess before a holy God. Are you serious? You presented that before an awesome God, the judge of the whole earth. That's what you gave. That's, that's what you presented? Wow. You see what I'm saying? This, this is deep. Food for thought, people. Food for thought. So to this end, I also labor striving. Paul worked very hard. Um, listen, he worked very hard, number one, to know Jesus. Who are you, Lord? Remember when he was cast off of the, um, his horse, his high horse on the way to Damascus, praise the Lord? And, and he, you know, he was like, who are you? He had to spend time, this, all that time he spent studying under Gamaliel, which was a doctor of the law, okay? All that time he spent studying under Gamaliel, studying the Hebrew thought, Hebrew tongue, Hebrew word, and so forth. Now he has to study the gospel. That was a work in and of itself. I think it took him like 16 years, okay, that he sat and he studied. Praise God. Nowadays, my God, people don't have, they just don't have time to wait because some prophet told them, get ready, get ready, tomorrow's your day. And they run it and don't have a lick of a, praise Jesus. Hallelujah. And thank you, Father. I'm going to move past that point. Anyway, so, but, but Paul took time studying. He was a student. Uh, Paul was a scribe, his own self. He was a scribe. And so that's why he was able to withstand Peter like he did. I mean, Paul was sharp, but he worked hard at it. Paul spent hours and hours and years 
studying the word of God. It wasn't something he pulled off of YouTube and preached on Sunday morning. No. No. Paul spent time late. This was his craft. This was his occupation, praise God. And he took it very, very seriously. So first of all, he took time working hard to learn who Jesus was. Who is this God who called me to preach this gospel? Before I can even uh, demonstrate him or present him to anybody else, I first need to learn who he is in my life, okay? And so that's the first, and like, and we talked about this about the call, the first part of the call is your discipleship. You first got to learn who is this God who called me? What does he want from me? What does he expect from me? And you got to learn God on your own time, on your own dime, praise God. You can't figure this thing out while you're trying to minister to somebody else. You got to already have that in your pocket. Okay? And so, you know, there'll be times that where God will bring you through certain uh, uh, um, trials and tests of your life so that you can learn him in certain aspects. Some of you may be going through financial hardship right now, and God said, I want you to learn me as a way maker. I want you to learn me as a provider. Okay? And so that when it's your time to minister God as being a provider, you guys that end up, you know all about it. You can preach it because you, you lived it. Okay? But you can't, you can't passionately preach something that you've never experienced. You'll talk about it, but you, there's, no, there's no anointing behind it because you hadn't, you hadn't been crushed. There's no oil in your life for that. There's no oil in your life for preaching certain messages because it, it hasn't been broken. You hadn't been crushed in that area. You preach the areas in your life where you've been crushed. You preach the areas of your life where you've been broken, okay? That's where the oil comes from, broken places, okay? So if, if you're trying to reformat somebody else's message, and, I, you know, <laughs> listen, that was their thing. That was their broken and crushing, and that's their oil. You can't use somebody else's oil. Amen. It'll never work. That's why, that's why David couldn't put on Solomon's, uh, uh, excuse me, Saul's um, robe. His, his um, uh, what you call the thing? Uh, uh, the, the coat of, what is it called? Anyway, he couldn't put on his thing, praise the Lord. And um, uh, the, uh, oh, Jesus, what's that word that escapes me? His shield or something. I can't think of it. Anyway, y'all know what I'm saying. And so, but he had, he said, listen, that's too big for me. Let me wear what's com- what fits me, all right? Um, so you can't put on what somebody else is wearing. You, you can't fit that. You got to have your own, unique, your own unique thing. God built your stuff, and he custom designed and fitted for you. So you can't put on what somebody else has. Um. So he labored in that. He labored in getting to know who Jesus was, just like many of you are laboring, praise God, to know who Jesus is in certain areas. And that's hard work. Some of you are learning how Jesus is a husband. If you're waiting on marriage, Jesus is my husband. He's a way maker. He's a keeper. He's a sustainer. He's a mind regulator. You understand what I'm saying? You know, you, you know Jesus in those areas because that's where God is testing you, right there in that, in that particular area. So that when you get ready to preach it, you can bring that thing out with so much oil, so much anointing, and, and preach it with such a passion because you've tasted it, okay? You can feed somebody the bread that you ate. You know what it tastes like. Um, and so the, moving down to finish up that thought, the word, his working, which worked in me mightily, again, talks about the, the hard work. But understand this, the hard work that, that, that Paul did and that you and I are involved in is still God. It's still God. The work that you're working to get to know God is God. And the work that you're working to get to know how to present God to others is still God. It all comes from him. So we can't boast of our own, right? It, it all comes from him. The passion we have to preach comes from him. The anointing we have to preach comes from him. The, 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 um, the way we articulate our messages comes from the Lord. It all comes from him. So we bring him glory, amen, when we present Jesus to the people of God. We bring God glory because it's coming from him and we're sharing that message with others. 
So Paul certainly worked. He was a laborer in the vineyard. He called himself, look at the salutations. I'm Paul, I, Paul, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, Paul, a bondsman. He made himself a slave to the gospel. He made himself a slave to Jesus, a prisoner of the Lord Jesus Christ, because that, he realized that was his work. So the homework for that is to write, following Paul's example, write the mission statement of your ministry, whether it's paraministry, church ministry, or whether you feel like God is calling you to ministry. Perhaps God is speaking to you throughout the course of this message and saying, this is what you're going to be doing, this is what you need to, you know, get ready for, what have you. Now, let me try to, I kind of went over time, but for the next 20 minutes, let me talk about people. Let me talk about the people in your ministry, okay? And I'm going to talk about the people that you have to minister with and the people that you're ministering to. Because as I stated earlier, if you don't have the wisdom to know how to deal with people, this will shorten your ministry life. You'll start out real strong, and you'll be real loud, and, and, and you'll do a real good thing, but you won't have the wisdom to sustain you when times of conflict come, personality differences and, and things of that nature. You won't have the stamina to endure it, and you'll throw the towel in and walk away. Do you know how many ministers are home. Do you know how many five-fold ministers are home? Those who should be leading churches and those who should, should be, uh, you know, uh, establishing great works for others to follow. Do you know how many of them are home watching TV because they could not pass the people test? They don't know how to deal with people. They don't know how to, to, to you know, praise God, go to God for emotional healing and deliverance. You know, they're, they're full of pride. They're arrogant. They don't want to be told anything. They know everything. Do you know how many? You'd be amazed. You'd be amazed how many people of God that God called. Okay? Remember I said many are called if you're chosen. You'd be amazed at how many people are called by God and have awesome mantles and ministries waiting upon them, but they, were, they can't walk into it because they're crippled in the area of dealing with people. This is something, let me tell you something, if you haven't already experienced it, just buckle your pants, belt, and just hold on, because let me tell you something, you're going to go through some things with people. You're going to go through things with people in your church. You're going to go through things with people in your family. You're going to go through things with people in your, in your house. You're going to go through people, things with people that are used by demons outside the church. You're going to go through it. And so if you don't learn how to buckle down and keep your, your, your praise God, keep your focus, who is the focal point? Jesus. Knowing what your mission statement, knowing why you're called, why I'm doing this, okay? If you don't understand that, your ministry life is going to be short. I can't tell you how many people I know personally started out strong. I mean, awesome anointing, and, and they started having issues with people, didn't know how to deal with it. They left, and you talk to them now. Some of them I talk to that I know personally, and I'm done with the church. I can't do it. And they're home miserable because you know what? That work and gift is still in them, kicking. The baby's still kicking. 20 years old, 20-year-old fetus kicking, praise God, trying to be birthed out. And, and the, the mother, the parent, the carrier, I guess I should say, is home having a, a pity party. I'm just saying. All right. So ministry is a beautiful thing because it involves our service to the kingdom of God. Ministry can be a challenging thing because you also have to deal with people. Okay, you have to learn how to deal with people, okay? So, you, listen, you can church hop, you can move from zip code to zip code, city to city, state to state, praise God. Wherever you go, there are people, and people are different, amen? <laughs> They're from all different walks of life. They have different upbringings or lack thereof, and you have to learn how to deal with it. 
if you want to be effective in ministry and you want to have some type of duration, amen, in ministry, that's why we celebrate those who have, you know, spent years and years in ministry. That ain't no joke. You honor those who have been in ministry for, for, for a long period of time, you know what I'm saying, because they went through a lot to stay there. If you look, if you're just starting out, you know what you're going through right now. Imagine those who've been in this thing for umpteen amount of years, and and you know multiply yourself times the length of time they've been in ministry. And you need to give God glory that they kept going. Praise God. You understand? Sometimes they inspire you, like wow, thank God for them. I know I got hope. Praise God. So you know you want to you know you want to esteem them because they have they have hang they have hung in there and um have endured the, the hardship as a good soldier. So. There was a daunting task. I'm going to try to wrap this up. There's a daunting task um, in ministry that involves serving people and working with people. And, and this is an area where one of my daughters like to say, you got to be a big girl or a big boy. I mean, you, you really, it's, this is really going to tell how grown you are. Remember what Paul said, to present you as a perfect man in Christ? Well, in order to be a perfect man in Christ, you're going to have to learn how to put the, the pacifier down, get out the pampers, get out the um, little crawl, what do you call it, thing, the little walker. And, um, and, and walk some stuff out, okay? Uh, you're going to be offended. You're going to be talked about. You're going to be, just name it. I mean, <laughs> just go down the list and just check it off, praise God. Um, but at the same time, you have to, this is the realization that you've got to have. And this is what's going to keep your mind and keep your focal point, is that Jesus went through everything that you're going through or going to go through. And you know what? It never stopped what he was called to do. He never stopped. When his family, his mother and sisters tried to pull him aside, he said, listen, I'm about my father's business. He stayed, he stayed focused. When, when demons cried out, shut up, go out, come out in Jesus' name. You know, whenever he had challenges, look at how Jesus handled his challenges. When the scribes and Pharisees and the religious rulers of his day tried to, I mean, he's trying to eat corn. You know, they, my God, they stalked this man. They stalked Jesus and followed him all the way to the cornfield. I mean, you, come on. You know you got a stalker when somebody's following you at the restaurant and talking about you didn't wash your hands before you ate your dinner. You know you got, you know you know folks are a hot mess, don't you? So um, what happened? You know when he said that, you know he's like, listen, and I, in my own words, I'd be like, hey, you know what? I may not have washed my hands before I ate the corn, but your whole heart is dirty. You know what I'm saying? So listen, if I can wash my hands. What can you do with that dirty heart of yours? So you know you you're gonna have times of confrontation, you're going to have times of contention, and, and you're going to have to learn how to muzzle your mouth. You're going to have to learn how to talk to people. You're going to have to learn how to deal with people. Otherwise, you'll be a wonderful minister, but you'll never be used. God will never trust you over people. The leadership won't trust you with people, praise God. And, and, and my God, it just won't be good, okay? So you want to, uh, when you're experiencing things like that, being challenged, personality conflicts and things of that nature, you want to take those opportunities to grow. Okay, you want to take those opportunities to, to develop as a person and not take everything personally, okay? You can't, listen, you, in ministry, you can't wear your, your heart on your sleeve because you won't last. The devil makes sure of that. You, you will not last with your feelings, on, with your heart on your sleeve and everything somebody says to you, you're offended. They don't call your name, you're mad. They don't clap for you, you're mad. You don't get to preach, you're mad. Then you still, there's still a lot of growth. That, that you're going to have to come into. And guess what? That growth means challenges. That's how you grow. 
When we say there's a lot of growth, that means that you're going to have a lot more challenges and tests and things of that nature to go through until you finally get to the point where you say, okay, God, I get it. You don't have to. That's it. I never. Listen, when I, like I told you guys or I told somebody, I backslid from 93 to 95, right? And, and I, I when, listen, when the Lord, when, I, when God opened the gate and let me back in, I said, Lord, you don't ever have to worry about me. You, that belt that you used on my backside, you can go ahead and hang that up or make it out of a trophy or you can do whatever you want. You don't ever have to worry about beating me like that again. And, I, and I, listen, that was, I'll never forget from October 93 to May 95. I will never forget what I went through being out of place. Now, I'm not saying from that point to now that things have been hunky-dory and roses and, 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 and lilies, praise God. Yeah, I went through a lot of stuff, still going through things. But I never turned my back on God. Never. I may not have understood. I may have had to cry. I may have had to crawl some seasons of my life. But I never turned. I never threw in the towel. Never gave God a quit. Never. Okay? It's not easy. But you learn, praise God. And sometimes you learn by going through some of the same things over and over. It's called, when, when we talk, we call it remediation. Amen. Or we call it, um, put you on an IEP plan. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we call in middle school teachers. Say, hey, we're going to put you still on an IEP plan. This is intervention. Praise God. So um, if you find yourself keep going through the same thing over and over, you got you have an IEP plan. You're going through intervention, and God is saying, I'm not going to pass you, and I'm not going to let you escape this until you learn how to face it, pass it, and move on. So those of you that God, why I keep going through it, there's your answer right there. You didn't even have to leave your house. Okay, uh, you're going to have to learn how to deal with people. I, I'm going to talk about this, and I'm going to probably move over my time a little bit, but this is our last class, and I, gotta, I have my assignment. i got to pour everything out that God has given me, okay? I um, uh, understand this, because here's a, here's a great misconception that the church is filled with spirit-filled, tongue-talking, fire-baptized people. That is not always the case. There are many churches that are, in according to Revelation, are synagogues of Satan. It's just a bunch of mess. Somebody started, they was mad with their former bishop, so they jumped out and started their own church. Has no grace on it whatsoever. Nobody fathered the church. No apostle planted the church. They just jumped out because they was mad, and they figured they're going to start their own ministry. Amen. And they're out there doing a work that God can't even recognize. You understand what I'm saying? So not every church is the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. There are many churches out there that are operating under, that have been formed and, 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 and established in seeds of rebellion and witchcraft. So, again, don't, don't get it twisted. Not every church that has the, this is the church of so-and-so and so is the church of Jesus Christ. There are synagogues of Satan where these churches were birthed, praise God, and established upon seeds of rebellion, discord, competition, whatever you want to name it, you can, you can call it. These are not churches of the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? So, so, you know, what's happening is many people are joining these churches or coming in contact with them, and they're getting hurt. And not only that, they're getting brutally hurt because, first of all, these churches have no grace. Remember we talked about the wisdom. They don't know how to win people. They don't know how to deal with people. And so they preach it because, listen, they're coming out of their own earth and their own whatever, and they've got their own platform to say what they want to say. There's no governor. There's no one there to say, hey, sit down, be quiet, turn the microphone off. They don't have that. They're just out there like bastards, you know, no fathers, praise God. And so they're saying what they want to say, do what they want to do, and they're abusing God's people. And so when you're finding some of these same people, when they do come in contact with the church of Jesus Christ, okay, and I'm, I'm using it as a broad sense, okay, they don't want to be bothered. It's like a woman or a man, for that matter, who's been in an abusive situation. They've gotten got in contact in relationship with some jerk, 
okay, and he can't keep his hands off of her. And, and so the white man comes along, and she's so afraid of, of the last season of Hurt that she doesn't even want to love again. You, you see what I'm saying? Because that last season was so, was so uh, damaging and so destructive that they don't even want to – want, that's it. They don't want to do it again, okay? And so we're coming across a, a generation uh, of people, a very high population, I should say, of people who have been church hurt. So as a minister, when, when, when God sends these people into your life, okay, God is given – this may be the last chance. God, God may say, you know what, I'm going to send you here or send you to her or send you to him, and they won't hurt you. They won't do so and so to you. And then you, you come on your day off, and I mean day off spiritually, and just talk down to the people and abuse them. Do you know God will deal with you? The Bible says, listen, he said, it's better for you to have a millstone tied about your neck and cast into the sin than to offend one of God's least ones. You have to be, even as a senior leader, and I've been in ministry now for a long time, probably 20 Mm, 20-something years now. Been pastoring now for going on 13 years, okay? It's been 11 years in, in training. It's been a church baby all my life since eight when my dad started the church. But what I'm saying is, even in where I am in God, I'm very careful how I talk to people. You don't never let how long you've been in ministry or how old you are in ministry or your position, you, that's not an excuse to mistreat God's people. At the end of the day, those are God's sheep. And God will deal with you if you're feeding them the wrong kind of food, if you're mishandling them any kind of way. God himself, you ain't got to worry about nobody praying against you. God himself will fight you. God will fight for his sheep, especially if he sent them to you to heal, to nurture them, and you turn around and you abuse God's people, God will deal with you, okay? So, again, these are matters of the heart. These are matters of motives, matters of personalities that you cannot take lightly. Okay, this is very talking about uh, the dynamics of serving people. This is where a lot of ministers they fail. Okay, uh, what else do I want to talk about? So, so, so they're talking about the people church hurt. They'll join, but at the same time they're so skeptical because they, they, they're almost expecting to be hurt again. And God is going to use you to 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 be that bomb in Gilead to heal and say, you know what, you're safe here. This is a safe place, and you can't just say it's a safe place. You've got to be the safe place. One day I was doing something, and the Lord said, look at your name backwards. And so my name backwards means it's A-S-E, A-S-I-L-E-D, which is Asileid or something. I don't know. Anyway, do you know I looked the word up, and in, in, was it Latin or something? It means refuge. I almost threw my computer, praise God. My name backwards means refuge, and God told me to look at your name backwards. So God expects you to be a refuge. He expects you to be a door of hope for people. So if he's sending them to you, that means that you have a responsibility, first of all, to keep your door clean, right? You got to keep your table clean. That means you have to take time in prayer. You got to take time in study of the word. You got to take time in God's presence that if you are having issues, personal issues, life issues, family issues, that does not belong in the general setting of you ministering to people. Those are things you take care of at home. You can't park that on your altar on Sunday afternoon. That doesn't be, there's no place for that there, okay? That, it's not that. Listen, prayer, a prayer altar Amen. Is, is, you got to build the altar that can hold your stuff. And the prayer altar is not built to hold all of that, not on a Sunday morning. And Mike can hold it, praise God, throughout the week if you need that. But that prayer altar, that altar on Sunday morning is not built to handle all of your rejection issues. That's something you need to build a prayer altar at home and deal with that. Because, you know, praise God, we can't be there all day, cast out every devil of every rejection you had for your 40 years you've been on the earth. 
that's that's unfair to to others when you could have taken that time the week prior to and and dealt with it at home or called somebody to your house. Are you understand what I'm saying? So you you want to be you you don't want to take the milk out of the baby's mouth. You don't want to take the bread out of the children's mouths. Praise God. Jesus wouldn't even do that. Remember that woman? Where was she, where was she from? Um, was she from Samaria? And she had a daughter who was um, demon-possessed, and, and she said, Jesus said, um, deliverance of the children's bread, right? And she said, yeah, Lord, but even a dog eat the crumbs from the table. And so God understands that this bread belongs to the children. And, 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 and the Lord is very specific about when he wants his people fed. So you have to take your time throughout the week to eat your bread. You can't, it's time for you to deliver the bread, and you, <laughs> I mean, just picture the visual if you're a seer. It's time for you to deliver the bread, praise God, and you ate two-thirds of the loaf. And so what is, what is love for the people? Praise God. Eat your bread during the week, praise the Lord, so that you can give the people a new loaf, a clean loaf, and they can eat and get delivered. Praise the Lord. Uh, so, People come into the church from all walks of life. They're coming in. Some of them have been divorced. Some of them are single parents. Uh, some of them have issues with their children, have grown adult children that are disrespecting them or got criminal records. I mean, listen, let me tell you, there's a laundry list of things that people go through when they, when they walk through the doors of a church. And so if you are carnal, you've been gossiping, backbiting, acting like a, a nut <laughs> all week long. Come on now. You, you've been out of out of, out of the Walk in the flesh, just just being carnal minded. One pastor he said to be carnal minded is to be a, a a meathead. So you've been that's what corn means. K C A R N E means meat. Okay, so you've been a meathead all week, carnal, watching TV, laughing, joking, hee hawing or whatever. Hadn't opened up your Bible not one time. Hadn't prayed, praise God. Hadn't studied. Hadn't sought God's presence for nothing. And then when God sends these people in on a Sunday or whatever your set time of worship is, what are you going to give them? What can you what out of your storage? do you have to offer them? What do you have to offer them? Okay? So they're coming in. They're coming in broken. They're abused. They've been bruised. They've been wounded. Praise God. Uh, some of them are fornicating. They're committing adultery. They're addicted to different types of things and so forth. They got job issues or no job issues. They got money problems, and they're coming to church. Now, what do you think they're coming to church for? They're coming for a word, a word that will restore their minds, a word that will refresh their spirit. And put yourself in their shoes because, you know, many of us, we've been saved for a certain period of time. And so when we go through things, we can pray ourselves and shout ourselves through it and shake ourselves through it, and we can be okay, most of us. But think about those who are not where you are and put yourself in their, in their shoes to where they're coming in and they're dealing with all this stuff, what do you think they want to hear when they come into your church or come into your presence or come to your cubicle or call you on the phone? What do you think they want to hear? They don't want to hear about child. I'm going through two girls. I'm so, wait a minute. I'm, I'm looking to you. You are a minister. You, you hold this office or you hold this vocation. You have this holy calling on your life. So you're supposed to be equipped with something to help me get to what I'm going through. You know, what, how can I pull from you? And there's nothing there. There's nothing. Again, remember the fig tree in full bloom, but no fruit. What did God do? Jesus cursed that fig tree. He said, you'll never bloom again. Okay? Again, these are things that will abbreviate your ministry life. 
So then people are coming in with all types of issues. Some of them have been abandoned as children. Some of them have been orphaned. Some of them were uh, rejected from their father or rejected from their mother. Some of them have had sibling rivalry all their life. Or some of them have strong spirits of jealousy where they, I mean, you, oh, my goodness, you, there's just no way to tell all of what people are going through when they walk through the doors. And, and then they join the church. And so guess what? They're joining the church, and all their issues are joining right along with them. Okay, they're joining the church and, and their issues, their baggage, all their suitcases of light mess and light issues and light struggles is sitting right there on a chair beside them as they sign a name on the dotted line. You have a responsibility now. You have a responsibility. You have a mission statement that you have to comply with. You've got to learn how to get out of your feelings because even, listen, even in them trying to get delivered, they may say things to you. They may do things to you. They may say things about you. You cannot respond on that level. You have to be the more mature one. There are things you're going to have to overlook. There are things you're going to have to say, Lord, get this out of my spirit. God, change my heart toward it. God, change my mind. God, show me their heart. There are things you're going to have to go to God for. You're going to have to pray for them. You can't pick up an attitude. You can't preach against them. You can't run away from them. Praise. That's not maturity. That's childishness. Bible said when I was a child, I, I, I spoke as a child, but now that I'm a man, I put away childish things. So, so uh, uh, you're going to be surrounded in ministry by people from all walks of life. They're coming from all types of backgrounds and all types of issues. Some of them have different types of doctrines that they grew up under, and they're all coming up under one roof. So you can imagine the dynamics of serving these types of people. Okay, let me show you an example in Numbers chapter 20, verses 8 through 12. And this is where Moses uh, hit the rock when God told him to speak to it. To see frustration will cause you to move out of character. Frustration with people will cause you to move out of your grace, and it will get you in trouble. You as a leader, as a minister, you can miss out on a promise of God by allowing people to frustrate you. So you've got to keep that focal point. Numbers chapter 20, verses 8 through 12. This is the ESV version. Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell the rock before uh, their eyes to yield its water. So you shall bring water out of the rock for them and give drink to the congregation and their cattle. Verse 9, Moses took the staff from before the Lord as he commanded him. Verse 10, then Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, listen to what Moses said, Hear now, you rebels. Shall we bring water for you out of this rock? That verse 10 right there tells you the that Moses was in. Now, Moses was an apostle before his time. Moses was a prophet before his time. Moses was a pastor. Moses really encompassed the whole fivefold before his time. Awesome, mighty deliverer. But you know what? The people antagonized him. The people frustrated him so much that instead of him blessing the people, he cursed them. He cursed them, and then the fruit of his ministry was, was born out of that frustration. He was supposed to produce a miracle for them, and he did, but his works were, were filled with, it was contaminated. Okay, do you see what I'm saying? That's what people say, Lord, Lord, that day I did not do it. Yeah, you did, because there's power in Jesus' name. But where was your heart? So the water did come out, even though God told Moses to speak to it. Moses hit the rock, but the water still came out because God is still going to look out for his people. Okay, so we can never, don't ever assume, you know, just because God moved, it was because of you. Sometimes God will move in spite of you. He's moving because of the people. It has nothing to do with you. God, he'll deal with you later, but he's going he's gonna to respond to the needs of those people. Okay, and so, so he, he Moses lifted up his hand and struck the rock with the staff twice. 
Water came out abundantly. The congregation drank and the livestock. Verse 12, the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not believe in me, to uphold me as holy in the eyes of the people. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly to the land that I have given. In other words, God said, you misrepresented me. You hear me, ministers? You, God, does not want you to misrepresent him. Just because you're mad with somebody doesn't mean God is mad with somebody, okay? Just because you don't like so-and-so doesn't mean God doesn't like so-and-so. You can't misrepresent the Lord. And that's what Moses did and Aaron. They misrepresented God, beat the thing twice like I want to beat you. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and God, yeah, God honored it anyway, but it was for the people. And then he turned around and rebuked the leaders, okay? He calls them, they called themselves, let me rephrase that, to miss out on the promise. So you can, if you don't grow up in the areas of dealing with people in ministry, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to put on a tough a tough skin to to stay in ministry for a long time. You're gonna have to put on a tough skin. And let me tell you something: you can be in ministry and do a great work, and at the end of the days, never fulfill the promise of God on your life. Never get married. Never start your business. Never see your family saved. Never go into the fulfilling uh, fulfillment of your call. Praise God, because your attitude was jacked up. Because you let the people move you out of your place of grace. Because you're moving in frustration. You're preaching out of frustration, or preaching because you need a bill paid, or you know what I'm saying? You're misrepresenting the gospel. Don't ever do that. Praise God. Uh, in Judges chapter 16, verse 4 and 5, I'm trying to, trying to get through this, okay? Y'all bear with me. Afterward, it happened, Judges 16, 4 and 5, talking about uh, Samson here. It happened that he loved the woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said, entice him, find out where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. And so even in ministry, you've got to watch who connects with you. Not everybody who connects with you is, has your best interest. Not everybody who's connecting with you is there to support you, praise God. So there are some uh, wolves in sheep's clothing that are connected with you because of your strength or because of some gain. Delilah connected, uh, which, first of all, Samson was out of his place. That's a danger zone, and that will certainly attract devils when you're out of place, but you're still trying to go forth. You're out of place. The devil knows it, praise God. There's no hedge, no covering for your sins, so the door is wide open. Amen. And so it, it didn't take much of nothing for the lords of the Philistines to come upon Samson, and the girl got money out of it for 1,100, what, 1,100 shekels of uh, pieces of silver. She gained something out of it, and this man lost his, his, his ministry assignment was abbreviated. It was abbreviated. Because he walked out of his grace, he would not hearken to wise counsel. He did what he wanted to do. Can't nobody tell me nothing, okay? And so God says, fine, won't nobody tell you nothing. Don't you know the removal of counsel is judgment? When you, when you don't have the multitude of counselors, when there's nobody in your life speaking into you and, and, and building, don't you know that in and of itself is judgment when God shuts counselors away from you? That's what happened with, with, with Saul. God shut down Samuel's voice. Saul needed a word so bad he had to go to a witch to get a word because God shut. And God said, you know, you won't listen. you hard-headed. You want to do what you want to do. So you don't get, I'm not giving you no more prophets, no more counselors. You're going to figure this thing out on your own. And that's what Samson had to do. That's what Saul had to do. They had to figure it out on their own. And you know what? Both of them, the law, they, their ministry, they, their, they paid the price, an expensive price for their ministry. It was short-lived because they were hard-headed. Okay, so, so, so 
Uh, well, y'all know the story with Samson. Praise the Lord. Let's look down. I talked about Saul. First Samuel chapter fifteen twenty four. Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord in your words because I feared the people and I obeyed their voice. In ministry, you cannot be afraid of the people you sit to minister to, you, especially if you serve a senior leadership. For those of you who are pastoring your own churches or your own pair of ministries, you, God holds you ultimately responsible, not your board, not your deacons, not your trustees. God holds you ultimately responsible. Remember, we talked about this last week with the seven letters to the churches of Asia. Jesus addressed the leadership. And so decisions you make and things you do, God holds you responsible. So you can't make decisions based on who's going to like it and who's going to stay and who's going to go. Some decisions you make, praise God, make truly upset certain people. But at the end of the day, you'd rather please God than please man, okay? So you're going to have to make some tough decisions. Saul's decision, praise God, cost him his kingship, his kingdom, and his life, all right? And, and let me look, give you Judges chapter 4, 6 through 10, getting ready to wrap it up. Uh, this is with Deborah and Barak. Now she sent and summoned Barak, the son of uh, Benaham, from Kadesh Naphtali, and said to him, Behold, the Lord, the God of Israel, has commanded, Go and march to Mount Tabor, and take with you 10,000 men from the sons of Naphtali and from the sons of Zebulun, and I will draw out to you Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and many troops to the river Kishon, and I will give him into your hand. Then Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you would not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the honor shall not be yours on the journey that you are about to take. For the Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. And then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kadesh. Verse 10, Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali together to Kadesh and 10,000 men. And Deborah also went up with them. In ministry, you're going to have to work with people, people who are fearful, people. Listen, sometimes you may have to hold their hands while they get the work of God done. Okay, so until they get to the place to where they can stand on their own, and and, and again, the, the dynamics of dealing with people. So that you're gonna, there are people you're gonna have to train. There are people you're gonna have to develop. And they, some of them like like Barack. Hey, I'm not gonna do this if you're not here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so you gotta realize that. But God still gets the glory. You can't get the big head where you know it ain't gonna happen if I'm not here. Praise God. No, that's not it. It just means God wants you to get down into the trenches and work with them until they feel confident enough to do the thing on their own. Okay. So again, dealing with Dealing with people, all right? So to close you out for, for, for tonight and for the School of Ministry overall, there are going to be difficult people that you are destined to encounter in your ministry life. It, it's just a part, again, it's married to the ministry, okay? You're going to encounter some difficult people, praise God. Some will be on assignment from the Lord to sharpen you, okay? Some people are going to challenge you to sharpen you uh, and prepare you for what's to come, like Samson, excuse me, like Samuel did Saul. He would sharpen him, challenge him, always stay in his face, and, but it was for, for his benefit. It should have been anyway, praise God. And, and then you have people who are on assignment uh, from hell, from the enemy, to sabotage you. Every, you know, every move you make, it, it's, you know, they're right there, hindering you, obstructing you, and just in the way, praise God. And then you have people that just in the flesh. They got all kind of emotional issues, don't want to be delivered, and, and, and they're just hindering you. You think places where you need to be going, moving for, further and forward, and you got these people connected to you that, that just won't grow, don't want to grow, praise God, and they're pulling you down at the same time. You got to deal with that. You got to have the wisdom to deal with that. Um, not everyone has something to, to pull away from this lesson. Very important. Not everybody in ministry, not everybody in ministry that you come into contact with are sold out believers. 
Not everybody in the church is sold out. They're, let me tell you some demons in Jesus, they demonized people with the church too. And then when Jesus preached, they said, what do we have? We don't, we don't want to hear from you, Jesus. That, was, that happened in Jesus' day. How much more so now than I did? People don't come to church to hear the gospel. Some folks come to church to find a husband, a wife, or see who's going to be singing, see who's going to be dancing, see who's cooking shoes, or, or just they like big crowds. Some people like big bands. Not everybody's coming for the gospel. Don't get that twisted. Not everybody who walks through the door is coming to be delivered. Some folks come to spies. I mean, you, Jesus, okay? So don't, 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 don't miss that, okay? Learn how to discern what's in your audience. Learn how to discern uh, the spirits of those that are coming in, praise God. Not everybody's there, a part of your parent ministry, to really see you prosper. Some of them are there to steal ideas and then give them a year or two, and they're going to start their own things off of your back, okay? It happens. It's life. Praise God. Um, I had one person took a school, took one year. Now, I've been teaching this now since 2009, praise God. So this is what, seven, six, seven years I've been teaching uh, the True Love Church Apostolic College. So it's kind of like, you know, praise the Lord. And, uh, but I had one person who took my first-year class, praise God, School of Prophets. She took my first-year class, and a homegirl came in with this big old binder. Of, uh, uh, and, and, I mean, she just, you know, I mean, I give up handouts. But listen, praise God. If it's copyright, that means I'm going to use it for book material. And if it's not, then use it and teach it. I don't care. Praise the Lord. Come from the Spirit of God. We all have this spirit, so just use it. I, you know, praise God. But anyway, she came in with this big binder. I mean, this girlfriend went out and bought, bought a binder, and every handout, everything I had, she's meticulously documented, and she's jotting down notes, and she had a recorder out. And I mean, she was taking this. I'm like, okay, she's a really good student, you know, really good student. Well, come to find out, two years later, she started her own school of profits using my material. Okay, and so somebody, you know, because somebody's going to always come back and tell it. Somebody came back and was like, um, uh, so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. And I was like, wow. And I was offended. I really was. Because, I mean, this stuff is work that goes into the time out of your life, and you're studying, and then you're putting people, you know, information together, and it's got to be biblically accurate. I mean, it takes time to do this, plus the wisdom that you're drawing from, and plus the the, the, the virtue. that the, I mean, it takes a lot to do that. Um. So I was offended. I went to God and prayed. I said, Lord, I said, you know what? I said, I was really hurt by that. I said, because, you know, I, praise God, that was just really wrong. If she wanted to do a class, she should have said, you know, do you mind if I use your material or what have you? Um, and it would have been okay. At least, you know, praise God. You just give honor where honor's due. You hadn't, you didn't labor for that whole, all that stuff. Praise God. And so um, the Lord said, he, told, he said, he told me, he said, I'm, he said, I'll deal with it. And I released it from my spirit and moved on. Don't you know, she had one class, two people signed up. Praise God. And the, it didn't even finish. The whole, I don't know how long her course was, but God shut the whole thing down. I never heard from it since. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, you'll have people like that that will try to attach themselves to you just to tr- see what you're doing, try to imitate it. But there's, remember I said earlier, there's no grace. There's no grace. you got to be called for this. you got to be anointed for this. you got to have the wisdom of God. you got to have the patience. It's, you know, you just don't, <laughs> you just don't print this off YouTube or off wherever and, and teach it. You, you don't, you, I mean, you can, but if you want the anointing to be present, you're going to have to spend time in the presence of God, and you're going to have to get that thing from his voice, from his heart. Amen. So, but you're going to have that in ministry, okay? Learn how to turn those things over to the Lord to keep your spirit free, all right? Uh, so not everyone you come into contact with are going to have your best interest at heart. Some people are going to connect with you because of where you're going, because of who you connected with, or because of what they can get out of you. Praise God. So that's why you need to have ears to hear and eyes to see. Um, some people are opportunists, like this young lady, and um, they'll build off of your back. They'll build right on off of your back and, and let God deal with that. Amen. 
some people come as vampires. They'll drain you dry. Wait, pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. And then you're like, now, my God, I know God is power in prayer. Why am I praying for you over the same situation? They're draining you. You know why? Because they're too lazy to, to establish a personal relationship with Jesus. So you're their genie in the bottle, and whatever they need to release from whatever they're going through, they just rub you on the back, and you praying for them. Praise God, and God ain't hearing them. You're wasting your breath. They ain't even living a life to receive the answer to the prayer. <laughs> you know, praise God. You're praying amiss, praise God. So people are opportunity. They will drain you dry. I know you need. I know you got a word for me. No, I do not. Somebody did that recently. You got a word? No, I don't. Okay, God has not spoken to me. I'm not saying nothing to you. I, you know, I'm not going to be responsible for conjuring up a word just because you want one. Go to go to somebody else. Praise God. So, um, so there'll be times to finish out my thought, people of God, and I appreciate your patience. There'll be times when you will be hated in ministry. You might as well go ahead and just, just set your face to be your forehead to be hard like flint. Everybody's not going to like you. They're just not going to like you for whatever reason. Maybe it's something you did. Maybe it's not. It doesn't even matter. You're going to have people who despise you, amen, because of the assignment that's on your life, because of the anointing that rests within you. And uh, you have to be careful even in that. Don't antagonize people. You know what I'm saying? Well, I know they don't like me because I'm something. No, that's wrong spirit. That's childish. We don't do that. You pray for them. The Bible said pray for those that despitefully uh, mis- that mistreat you and that misuse you. You pray for them. and You ask God to show them who you really are. That's what I do when people, you know, have issues with me in the ministry and some of the things I do. And, and you know, not everybody loves Prophet Lindsay, trust me. And I said, God, I said, show them my heart that I'm a very loving person. I'm a very giving. I'm, a, I'm probably one of the most generous people you ever meet. I'm a very generous, kind-hearted person. God made me like that. I wasn't always like this, but many trials have, have made my heart very tender. And um, now, don't, don't get me wrong, I'll bust the devil, okay? But I'm just saying God has made me very tenderhearted. I love people. I'm always smiling, even through my pain, because that's the mature part of me. That I don't, you know, unless I tell you what's wrong, you will never know. Praise God. So, so um, you know, you pray for people like that. Lord, I don't know why Sister so-and-so don't want to speak to me or, you know, I, I don't know. If I did something, God, show it to me. You know what I'm saying? Show it to me and, 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 you know, show me maybe I'm doing something. Maybe, Lord, it's me. Maybe, it's, maybe I'm coming off the wrong way. Maybe, you know, because sometimes, especially at work, when we have certain positions at work and then we come in and to the church, you know, you got to learn how to shake that thing off. You're not, listen, you're not an army, praise God, you're in the church. So you can't come in barking and barking at people and expect them to respond to you. So you have to consider your ways too, right? And so you ask the Lord, so God, you know, especially if you get a lot of people saying the same thing. Now, come on now, 12 people can't be wrong. Now, one or two people might can, you know, just pick on you. But now you got a whole lot of folks saying the same thing. Now, it's time for you to perk your ears up and listen because all of them can't be wrong. And this happened in several churches or several organizations. Then common sense that, you know what, this is really a problem. It is me. It ain't even them. One thing my grandfather said to my aunt, many years, both of them have gone on, praise God. But um, this woman, my aunt had, um, man, she had a bachelor's, master's, very educated woman. We would, she owned an apartment building in Jersey City that we stayed in for a couple of years. And um, we, we would stay at her, you know, go and visit her apartment, and she had books galore. I guess I probably got a piece of that mantle from her, but she had books everywhere. And she just was a very knowledgeable, very educated woman. But she couldn't keep a job. This woman could not as smart and as, as intelligent and as educated and, you know, she's a pretty well woman. She could not keep a job. And so I remember I was a little girl, but I tell you, I'll never forget this. She went to, um, was talking to my grandfather. I was overhearing the conversation. And she said to him, and she said, Dad, she said, Daddy, she said, um, 
She said, the people on the job, so and so, so I had to quit the job. And, and I went over here, and I mean, she was kind of giving him her rundown of why, you know, she was unemployed. And so my grandfather was a very, you know, he wouldn't say much, but when he spoke, you listened. He said to her, he said, it ain't, he said, he said, it ain't them, it's you. He said, why do you think you have the same problems everywhere you go? He said, you're dealing with different people. And he told him, he said, and I don't want to call a name up, but he said, you, he said, it's not them, he said, it's you. And that thing, I never forgot that as a child, that was just a wisdom nugget that just kind of was just planted in my spirit and grew up with me. And, 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 and it's a lot of truth to that. If you're having the same problems everywhere you go, you're in a different church, you're in a different marriage, you're in a different job, everywhere you go, the same, they say the same thing. It's not them. It's really you. Everybody can't be wrong. And so it comes a time when you've got to sit down and say, hey, God, you know what? It's me. It's me. It's me, oh, Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So, you know, we want to, to look at, examine ourselves, okay, see where we be in the faith, see where the Christ be in us. Amen? So uh, God bless you. This is going to conclude um, our um, school of ministry um, for the fall semester. I pray that, that this uh, these teachings, have, um, I, I pray that they have enriched you. I, I pray, you know, one of my spiritual daughters was saying to me, you know, where were you when I was first called? You know, they called me to preach and threw me out there. But, uh, and, uh, you know, praise the Lord for that. But, you know, I, I thank God for um, <laughs> for the word of God, amen, that, that we want to be discipled and we want to don't want to do good things, we want to do excellent things, but we want to bring glory to God, amen. So I, I bless God for each and every one of you uh, for joining us on these Mondays from 6 to 8 p.m. Um, may have been a struggle to get online and stay online, but you made it, praise God. So um, for tonight's homework assignment, I want you to um, write your mission statement um, following, I think it was what, Colossians 1, 5 through 8 or something like 26 to 28. Um, using that example, these notes I'm going to upload to the online classroom. Just give me a little bit, um, a few minutes, and I'll go ahead and get those uploaded to the online classroom and, so that you can have them to reference and use in your own life. Um, your exam will come Friday. Okay, Friday, let me see the date. will be uh, maybe before then, but at least by Friday it's going to be the 2nd. I'm sure you get it before then. But anyway, just to give myself that much time, you'll get your exam by December the 2nd. Um, if, 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 if I'm able to post it before then, our classroom assistant will, you know, send you a quick email and let you know to go ahead and check your um, classroom so that you can go ahead and get that downloaded. So, but anyway, uh, the exams will post on December 2nd, and they will be due Monday, December 5th, okay? Um, now, another quick announcement while I have your attention. We were scheduling our um, – uh, and, and because this is a fall semester, it's a short semester, it's going to be a, a informal graduation ceremony. And, and we were scheduling, scheduling it for December 4th. Well, I have an obligation December 4th, and so I'm not going to be able to do that. So we're going to schedule it for December 11th. Now, for those of you who are not members of True Love, um, it's going to take place immediately after service. So if you want to get there around 2, 2.30, somewhere around that time, I guess, you know, just depending on how God moves, you know, we'll start around that time. Shouldn't take no more than about 30 minutes. Uh, we'll have some light refreshments, and we'll go ahead and, and get your certificates and your thumb drives, okay? The CDs are just, just a little overtaxing to me. So I'm going to put your um, all of our videos and all of our audio clips on um, and your documents. 
we're gonna I'm gonna put them on a thumb drive for you, okay? And so that you can have them, you can upload them to your computer and download them or whatever you want to do with them. Um, but they'll be yours to keep, uh, to refer from from time to time. So let's schedule our um, informal graduation ceremony on December 11th, and I'm going to just time that around between 2 and 2:30. And again, that should last about 30 minutes. Um, and, and, you know, we'll do the presentation of awards, what have you, and your, um, we'll have some light refreshments afterwards. Uh, for those of you who are unable to join us, and you, you know, those of you who are my distant um, students, um, make sure that I have your mailing address. Make sure you get with the classroom assistant. I think she's been emailing some of you. Make sure that you get, your, um, get her your mailing address so that we can, on that uh, December 12th, that Monday following the ceremony, because um, some of you may show up and I want to mail it and, you know, you show up, praise God. So that Monday, December 12th, we'll go ahead and put your certificate and put your thumb drive in the mail to you, okay? Um, so we want to make sure that, that you're able to uh, get your things as well. If you still, uh, if you haven't completed uh, any of your assignments, even from our class, School of Profits, School of Deliverance, I think we covered. I don't even know where we are. But anyway, you want to get in all, all of those assignments. Try to, everything is due by December um, 5th. Okay, brothers from the last schools from October, um, and even everything is due by December 5th because I'm going to have time to, you know, I've got to go through all of that stuff and, and get everything together. Um, yeah, so uh, let's get that in. If you still owe on tuition, go ahead and make your arrangements, get that in. All of that needs to be in. Everything is due by December 5th, okay? So just, that's just a rule of thumb. December 12, 5, 16, you need to have everything in um, for graduation consideration. All right? Well, listen, I thank God for you. I pray that uh, I've been a blessing to you. I pray that I've challenged you in some areas. I pray that I've stepped on your toes and, and you know, praise God. I pray that I challenge you. I pray that you look at some areas of your life and say, oh, God, i got to work on this. Uh, that's what it's all about is, is being sharpened, okay? So, listen, God bless you. We love you in Jesus' name. And um, we pray to see you all December 11th at between 2 and 2.30. God bless you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.